I welcome you to episode 11 of Our World God's World series 2, in which I am inviting a new guest each week from somewhere in the world to tell us about their communities and the way they live and work as people of faith in them. Today I am joined by Robin Denny, who is the Episcopal Church Rector of Napa, a wine-growing region in Northern California. Robin has a degree in viticulture and enology, but also extensive experience in tropical agriculture from Liberia and South Sudan. Hi there, Robin. So it's hi, Trevor. <laughs> so it's wonderful um, to be with you. So, would you like to begin by introducing yourself in a few sentences, saying where you are and where you're from? Absolutely. My name is Robin Denny. I'm a priest in the Episcopal Church in the United States. I'm the rector of the church in Napa, California. And uh, before becoming a priest, I was an agriculturalist and I served as a missionary of the Episcopal Church in Liberia and then in South Sudan, where I lived with you and Tina. That's wonderful. <laughs> and we're so grateful for you being on this. So, I have eight questions that I ask all my guests. And let's start with the first one. The first one is, choose four adjectives to describe where you live. Hmm, that's tricky. I think the first one has to be dry because we, we're in the middle of a drought, but, but also in California, we have a very long dry season most years. Um, but we're just very conscious of how, how dry it has been. Uh, we got very, very little rain and um, there's a lot of wind, which has dried things out further and we're on water shortages. So, um, so it's quite dry. But I think this one I can't make into an adjective, I don't think, but, um, but resilient. Well, yeah, no, resilient. There we go. Yeah. Um, we're, so besides the pandemic, which has, of course, been, been quite difficult over the last year, we also had two major wildfires here that burned 40% of the land area of our county um, in 2020. That was in, in August and in October of, of last year. And so there's just been, there's just been a lot of, of loss and fear and trauma around those, around those fires as well as around the pandemic. So the two disasters really kind of have overlapped. And as you know, whenever there's times of disaster, the community also comes together to support each other and to to work together. And so there's been a lot of, I think, deepening of relationships and connections as people have um, have worked together and, and tried to help people. Um, beautiful is another one. Um, even even though our our hills are blackened um, by the fires, this is this is just an absolutely beautiful place to live in the the valley is there's a lot of grapevines here um uh, but also just beautiful oak trees and and to me i just find the beauty inspiring um and the last i guess hopeful is 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 a word you know coming coming out of the pandemic now we just had our restrictions lifted in California a few days ago and you know we're still wearing masks in some settings but um, but there's just a lot more confidence that uh, that we've gotten enough people vaccinated and the case numbers are dropping hospitalizations are very few um, so there's there's definitely kind of a hopeful sense that um, that we're, we're taking a turn here towards towards health that's wonderful Robin they're mm -hmm. all positive 
you didn't consider any negative. Well, I was torn with uh, with exhausted <laughs> or tired as well. <laughs> I think uh, just I've been talking to my friends living in all different parts of the world too. You know, there's just this has just been such a long, hard time with the pandemic. I think folks are quite tired everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's that's great. It's amazing. Everybody comes up with different adjectives to describe their place. So. Apart from the personal things, this is the second question. What two things do you think about most? Um, so I struggle with that one because personal things is probably <laughs> is probably what I think about the most. But um, but definitely, I, I definitely I think about God, and I think that's one of the benefits of of being a priest. I think one of the reasons God called me to be a priest was to to keep my attention on God a little more than perhaps it had been. Uh, previously in my life. So so yeah, and, and especially with all the difficulty that we've been through in the in the last year, uh, just really thinking about about God and looking for looking for God in the midst of of what's what's happening. And and then the other thing I think is is probably my schedule. I think about that a lot. I think about what's the next thing I need yeah. to do on my to-do list. Um, and, uh, and when I can, you know, when I, when I can stop for the day and my, my great joy is, is playing with my niece and nephews. So uh, I live with my, with my sister and brother-in-law and their three children. So um, I always look forward to, uh, you know, when the work is done, um, having, having fun with them. That, that's great. You're allowed to sort of overlap with personal things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so now question three. What is your favorite book, movie, TV, or radio show, and why? I think I can guess the answer to this. <laughs> well, you. <laughs> well, okay. So since 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 we lived together, Trevor, I think uh, I think from from that era in my life, it would definitely be Jane Austen from all the Jane Austen that we, <laughs> that we read <laughs> together. Um, Harry Potter, this Harry Potter series is definitely like a long running favorite of mine. And I'm reading it with my niece and nephews now. Um, but actually my my new favorite author as of just a few years, like probably three years ago is Octavia Butler, right. who um, has passed away now. She, she started writing in the 1960s and she was the first African-American science fiction, female science fiction writer. Um, and I actually, I was, I'm embarrassed to say that I hadn't heard of her before, hadn't read any of her books when I was in school. Um, but she, uh, there was a, a museum display about her at a museum that I visited in Los Angeles. And it was really neat. It had all of her kind of like, like writings and drawings as a child. And so that's how I got interested in her was just learning about her life and kind of looking at this museum exhibit. So I bought a book of hers. Yeah, so I, I bought a book of hers called Kindred. And um, and she she it's a it's it's science fiction, but it's like kind of time travel. And it's a woman who um, gets drawn back in time and um, into the time of slavery and is enslaved. And then she kind of keeps jumping back and forth in time. But the way I, I think now that I've read a number of of her books, I, I think I've read five or no, six of her book seven maybe yeah. <laughs> um it's kind of what ties like the, the themes that that i really really like and what's actually really helped even i think especially in the pandemic is that she talks really honestly about um brutally tragic and and violent things um in the past and in this kind of dystopian future that she imagines as well 
but through the midst of that, she's what she's really exploring is human nature and um, resilience and hope and sort of what it is about trauma and difficulty that you know how how it can change us, but also um, how sort of the the power of love working in the midst of that um, can help people to to well their 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 true selves to to really shine through. So um, so yeah, she's just a fantastic author, and and I think it's that it's those deeper themes that really that she's that she really digs into in a way that I haven't encountered in a lot of other writings. So. I'm really sad that I'm only just now discovering her, but and that you know there's only a limited number of of books that she's written um, since she's since she's passed away. But but yeah, I'm looking forward to tracking them all down and reading them. That's very good. That sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, we must move on. Um, question four: If you were to become a castaway like Tom Hanks on his desert island, what would you like other than the practical things to find in one of the FedEx boxes? <laughs> well, see, that's hard because I love backpacking. So my favorite thing to come in the mail in, in boxes is backpacking equipment anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's practical. So, uh, that's practical. So I can't choose that. Um, I think probably, probably books. Um, you know, because because a, a friend wouldn't wouldn't fit in a, in a FedEx box. I know he makes a friend out of a out of a <laughs> out of a volleyball. <laughs> um, but uh, but there's a way I think in which what I love about books is the way they they draw me into the perspective of someone else. Um, you know, to to see the world through someone else's eyes. And so if I was stranded on a on an island all by myself, I think not being able to talk to other people. Um, being able to at least read read a story that that's from someone else's uh, perspective would be would be the next best thing. Yeah. If that's your choice, apart from Octavia Butler and Jane Austen <laughs> and um, J.K. Rowling, what well, I would definitely like? I would want an author that I'd never read before oh, because right. yeah, because then it would be you know an adventure and I wouldn't know what the ending was going to be. <laughs> right, a surprise a surprise book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, then. So now we get on to a question about God. Question five. Where or when do you feel closest to God and or spiritual things? Whenever I take a breath, a deep breath. I, I think I was searching for a long time in my life to, to try to create the right circumstances to draw closer to God. And certainly when, when I was a missionary, I, I felt really close to God. And, and I think that was because of the people that I was with and their faith and what I was learning from them. Um, and, and I've just, I've realized now that there's a, there's a beautiful line. I think that, um, I think it was Ignatius that said it, that God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And, um, and so for me, just recognizing that, just reminding myself of that, that, that all I need to do is take a deep breath and remember that God is already closer to me than I am to myself is, is, all, that it, is all that it takes. But it's remarkably hard to remember to stop and <laughs> take yeah. a deep breath. So, so that's, always, that's always the challenge is just to, in the midst of, of whatever a moment to, 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 to pause. That's really lovely and gives us something to work on ourselves. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Number six, what's the best piece of good news you've received in the last month? 
<laughs> oh, um, so so I mentioned I, I live with my my niece and nephews and my my sister and brother in law, and um, we have the train tracks go right next to our house. And the children love trains and I love trains as well. And so we always love to run out and greet the train. Well, it's it's a private uh, track. It doesn't, so there's not a lot of different trains that come by. It's just the wine train that comes by <laughs> and it, it comes by at about four miles an hour. <laughs> so it's really easy to greet the train. It's just a few feet away. And so we've always loved to go and wave to it. And of course there's been no wine train for the pandemic and it just started up in the last um, month and um you know it seems like a silly thing but the first time that it started up we ran to the fence and just we were just crying and <laughs> yelling and waving and we're just so happy to see the train and um the the kids keep you know keep running out there and and uh the 10 year olds knows what the different exact like exactly the what time and whether the train is stopping further down or coming all the way up past us and so he'll run out and um, he'll hear it coming before anyone else in the family does and run outside and greet the train. And just a couple of days ago, the, the train stopped in front of our house and the engineer climbed down from the engine with, uh, with little pins in his hand, little lapel pins, and handed them to, uh, <laughs> to the kids <laughs> uh, because oh. it just makes, it makes his day every time he sees them, you know, waving and so excited oh. to, see, to see the train and the passengers. So that was just, oh, that was just, I just can't stop smiling whenever I think about it. It was just the sweetest thing. So what were on these pins? They're they're little um they're little train crossing signs and they say save lives on them. Um mm -hmm. you know the, the kind of the white X with the with the flashing lights. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, and so they they've been proudly wearing their pin every single day. They you know put it on whatever clothes they're wearing when they <laughs> go greet the train. <laughs> that is so nice and just see it. Um, it's oh, it was, reminds it was great. me of the uh, the railway children book yeah <laughs> yeah oh we should read those next yeah. <laughs> yeah good and you have to do it in a british accent yeah yeah because the children like <laughs> yeah. you reading in a british accent they do they do <laughs> okay so then um what's the best piece of good news you would like to receive in the next month well, it's very practical. So I've I've been saving up money to try to to have enough um, to for a down payment on a house, and um, so I'm I'm hoping to hear from the loan officer that I indeed have enough money, and I, I'm not sure if, if that's the case. <laughs> so so I'm I'm hoping to to be able to to start that process and and um, put down put down roots in this community. That's wonderful uh, mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I, I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put down roots mm -hmm. in your community. Mm -hmm. And it's good that you can. Let's pray that that's the good news that comes through. Thank um, you. Like I, I say to those people who are going to listen to this, hopefully in their thousands, this doesn't <laughs> go out until the autumn. So uh, we can probably let them know whether or not, <laughs> yeah, whether or what, not. what you were wishing for actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah lovely so now this is the eighth and final question and this is the, what you can tell the world have you got a message to give to the world i think that um i think that it that it comes down to love that 
that God calls us to love God, to love each other, but also to love ourselves um, and to trust that, that we are good, that we are made good and beautiful in the image of God and, and that love that connects us to one another and to God is, is holy and, and to let go of, of shame and, and to just embrace that path of love and of wholeness that, that God calls us to you know, not spending so much time worrying or judging our neighbor, being concerned about doing things just right so that we can achieve something or, or even, you know, win God's favor, but just to trust that um, by walking the path of love, we are in fact pleasing God and, and to just stick to that path wherever it might take us. Thank you very much, Robin. It's been a delight to have you on Our World, God World, and I hope perhaps one day you can join us again. Thank you. 2020 was a very difficult year for Robin's part of California, not only with the pandemic, but the disastrous effects of climate change. In the wake of COP26, I was anxious to ask her how her community has survived the heat, fires and droughts of 2021. I spoke to her again a few days ago. Well, I'm really pleased to say back in touch with Robin again after a few months and we want to see what has happened since. So Robin, hi. Hi Trevor, it's delightful to be back with you. It's great to have you Robin. Robin is in California, as you know, and so for her it is eight o'clock in the morning and for me it's four o'clock in the afternoon. So she is bright and breezy and full of the joys of a new morning. And a new cup of tea. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so I've got a few questions, follow-up questions for you, Robin. First of all, how are things with the drought and the fires you were talking about? last time and how are the farmers and the vine growers managing with their harvest yeah thank you for thank you for asking it was such a stressful year with the drought and especially considering how much fire we had last year um it was um it was scary we had a, a number of red flag warnings we had a lightning storm that came through a dry lightning and um amazingly through it all we had no fires in in our valley there were um, two large fires, one of which was, I think, the largest fire in terms of acreage that, that's ever burned in California. Um, but but uh, I believe no one was killed in that fire. A lot of homes were burned, but not as many as some of the other fires. It, it's weird the way that we qualify these these things, these disasters now. So we did have a lot of smoke for a long time, which is dangerous for the grapes. Um, but we got through this this fire season um, without any fires in, in our valley and and with a harvest intact. Our harvest in 2020 was almost utterly lost by the smoke damage to the grapes. Um, and so it was it was such a relief to be able to get a harvest this year for um, for the for the wine grape growers. And um, we and we had this huge rainstorm come through and it came early. It was one of the earliest rains um, that I can remember. Usually, Right about now is usually our first rain of the season, but this was about a month ago, and um, it was a, a torrential rain. There's this new thing they call it a um, it was a Category Five atmospheric river, which I'd never heard of before. So I looked it up, 
and they only invented the lingo in, in 2019. <laughs> so that's why I'd never heard of it before. But um, it was this really, really strong rainstorm. And in a period of about 24 hours, it dropped eight inches of rain, which is almost our entire yearly total in, in 24 hours. Um, I'd never seen anything like it before. And there was a lot of fear that we would have major mudslides, especially in the fire scar area. Um, well, there were, no, there were several mudslides, um, but no one, no one was injured. Um, a couple roads were closed, but, um, but no one was injured. No houses were destroyed in those mudslides. So we came through what was kind of publicized as possibly this terrible rain event. Um, we came through the other side of it, just totally filled with Thanksgiving and joy at seeing how wet everything was, which was <laughs> such a, such an amazing experience after it being so dry for so long. Um, and we've then we've just kept having little bits of rain since then. So um, the the drought isn't over. I mean, it, we've be, we've been in so many years of drought, and it takes a long time for kind of enough water to build up. Um, but it's certainly better than we expected um, in terms of this year. And and this year the fire season is officially over, um, which means we can all take a take a deep breath and and really enjoy the mud and the the fresh green grass that's that's pushing up through the soil so it's it, it feels like spring and fall at the same time because we've got the beautiful co- fall colors and then we've got the fresh green grass coming <laughs> coming of winter so that's like, encouraging but mm-hmm. the frequency of these droughts and the fires and, and and great storms is this something to do with climate change absolutely yeah absolutely so <clears throat> the level of storms that we're seeing the um the fires themselves are like the, the Dixie fire, which was the, the biggest fire this year. They were actually, the fire was creating its own weather system. And these are fires that we've never seen fires like this before. So all of the, all of the 20 largest fires in, in California's history have happened in the last five years. I think it is. Um, it's just, it's, it's, ridi- it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you can't explain it except by, except by climate change. Um, and certainly the the level of the drought and everything. So so part of it is um, is also just figuring out how it is that we um, how, how do we live in in a new way? You know, we we know that this is going to keep happening. You know, we we can't expect this one rain event has now solved the drought. You know, so how do we how do we face the next fire season and the next drought and the next big storm that's coming through? And so we, we've been really, I think, leaning, at least I have and folks in our community leaning into participating in disaster preparedness and kind of seeing, well, what is it that we can control and we can control, um, you know, how how well we're connected to one another and how we support one another in the midst of of the various different disasters that come our way. Um, and, and that and I think that is that's empowering. So you are you are the rector of Napa, and that's the Episcopal Church in the United States. Yes. What kind of a role do people feel the church should play, or churches should play, with this acknowledged change of climate? Yeah. So the Episcopal Church sent a delegation to uh, to the talks that that were happening recently, and then came. I was just on a um, a Zoom call where they were reporting back about what was happening in terms of the the international discussions and you know, bringing the the faith perspective that we're called to be caretakers of the land and end of creation and of future generations. So you know if we um, if we take that seriously, then, then we really, we have to be participating in these discussions and, and trying to 
do our part to to make things better. Um, so there's certainly kind of at our at our national and international level of the Episcopal Church, there's certainly a, a commitment there. And then I think on the the par- at the parish level, in in my community at least, we're we're very involved in our community organizations active in disaster. And, um, and there's a number of churches that are a part of that and not just churches, but other interfaith institutions as well. Um, and just this, this real sense that, that we care for the people who are left out and forgotten. And so it's our responsibility, not only to care for our own members of our congregation, but to be members of the community who sound the alarm and who um, point to groups of people that are made vulnerable by climate change and disaster and make sure that we're we're doing what we can to try to make things better for them as well. How well does that go down with the American culture of um, individualism? Yeah, so, I mean, I think Jesus's message is uh, very much about uh, caring for those who are in need and, um, and breaking down some of these boundaries that, that society puts up. And so uh, I think the I think as as long as we're preaching Jesus's message um, and, and staying centered on him, we find a way that is attractive to people of, of different political persuasions. Um, and, and that's uh, the, our kind of commitment to the middle way as the Episcopal Church is, is trying to make a place um, where people can come together. And I think when we stay grounded in that, you know, that, well, Jesus has something to say to a culture of individualism, <laughs> you know. Thank you, Robin. Well done. We wish you well. Thank you. And we will continue to pray for you in California and the United States. So just changing tack, your hope for the next month was that you might actually get a house of your own. This might be interesting for older people in Britain who always think that rectors are given rectories as part of the job. (laughs) But you're not. And so you're you're appointed a rector and then you have to find the wherewithal to find somewhere to live in the community. How's that gone? Yeah, so I, I'm so lucky. I have a, just an amazing family and I was I was able to live with my sister for two years and save up money um, to, to try to, to for a down payment. And then uh, my other sister helped me as well. So it was, it was, a it was an all sister effort, <laughs> And, uh, and I was able to, to buy a house. And a part of what makes it work is it's, um, it's actually two apartments in, in one house. And so I'm able to rent out one of the apartments and that, um, and that drastically reduces the cost of the mortgage. So um, I'm really excited to be able to um, to live in the community, just a 15 minute walk from my church. Um, and I've, I've been there for about three weeks, still unpacking boxes. Um, but I've already had my niece and nephews over for a sleepover. And uh, it's, uh, it's wonderful to, to be able to put down roots in the community. That's exciting news. Well done. Thank you. Well, that, that is really positive. Mm-hmm. Some, some of one of the, one of the rare times when people who, the dreams that they would have in the next month have actually come true. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that your niece and nephews, you were saying about them waving to the train, to the wine train. Yes. You're greeting the wine train. They are. They have an amazing sense of when it's coming. They can hear it before anyone else and they and they run out to, to greet it. But um 
but we did find um, just uh, just a couple days ago, they were helping me unpack my books, uh, my, my, my children's books and young adult books that I have. And uh, I was excited to share my library with them because it's been in storage for, for two years and out popped the railway children of my copy of it. And it's a, it's a wonderful illustrated copy. And, and I said, Oh, we've got to read this. Trevor said we, <laughs> we should read this. I was like, I was like you're going to love it. It's about children that greet the train. <laughs> Edith so, uh, yeah. so we haven't started it yet, but, uh, but we pulled it off the shelf. <laughs> that is really great. That's so yeah. exciting. Well, I'm very grateful to you, Robin, for agreeing to be part of this podcast series. So, Robin, it has become the custom to invite our guests to finish with prayer. So would you like to conclude our meeting today with prayer? I would love to. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the diversity of humanity that you have made us. We thank you for the way in which your love and your presence shows forth in us from many different places and the way in which your love is made manifest to us in getting to know one another and seeing you at work in our own lives and in the lives of others. We pray that you would continue to open our eyes to see you, to see you in our own hearts, to see you in the lives of others and to break down the walls that we have put between us, um, that we might become one people brothers and sisters and siblings of you. We pray that you would bless and encourage and inspire us. We pray that your peace would come into our hearts and encourage us as we seek to walk your way of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Robin. It's been great. Thank you too. Robin has reminded us of our responsibilities to one another following the ways of Christ in these days when we know we have to act as one as we live on a planet in which extremes of weather are going to happen, not just in California but everywhere. Thank you Robin for bringing this to our attention. Next week is the turn of Trevor James, a pioneer minister in my own community of Canesham near Bristol, United Kingdom. Join me then in finding out what being a pioneer minister is all about. Until then, this is Trevor Stubbs signing off. Whatever challenges you are called to face in this coming week, may you know the presence of Christ with you.